those that are traveling. And, but I'm glad you're here, and I hope you are too. And uh, we uh, I've titled this morning's message, Well, I Don't Think We Can Do It That Way. Um, and um, you'll see why in just a moment. Uh, about 10 days, a week and a half ago in Wilmore, Kentucky, at a university called Asbury uh, University, a chapel service uh, was held. And uh, when it was over, nobody left. The students continued to stay and pray and, and confess sin, and several prayed at an altar, and uh, God began to do something quite unusual. Word of that spread uh, fairly quickly. You know, we live in the world of Facebook and 24-hour news, so not much escapes uh, our purview. Um, and fortunately, you know, it's a great thing when God uh, moves, and I'm thankful for uh, what's been reported as salvation decisions and um, relationships that have been mended and just uh, people coming back to an authentic relationship with God. And that's something that the church should celebrate. Because remember, the scriptures say that the angels are rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who comes to repentance. And if the angels rejoice over it, guess what? We ought to rejoice over it too. But my heart was saddened because I heard these great reports. And by the way, that revival fire, the ember, it spread to many other campuses across our country, including Sanford University in Birmingham, uh, where I got my doctorate from, and uh, several other schools, some schools in Tennessee and some in Ohio and some in Oklahoma. That is a wonderful thing. And church, can I tell you that regardless of its revival or its not revival, we ought to pray God's Spirit move and continue to burn and that this move of God would spread because the reality is our nation needs God more than it's ever needed Him before and we're farther away from Him than we've ever been before. But you see, many said, well, that's not revival. And, and I saw people criticizing what God was doing. And most of the criticisms boiled down to this. This revival is not revival because it's not happening the way I think it should happen. God's not doing it right. That's basically what they're saying. But before we fault those dum-dums on Facebook that make the, you know, they think their opinion matters for some reason. But before we fault them, let us remember that that's most of our tendency too. I wonder how many times we miss God doing something miraculous in our lives, in our church. God's wanted to. We say, God, I want you to move, but only if you do it this way. God says, all right, well, I ain't going to do it then. And we miss out. Well, what we should be doing is saying, God, you're God. I'm not. And because you're God, you do it however you want to. And sometimes Leslie will cook, sometimes I do the cooking, but sometimes Leslie does it and she'll say, well, how do you want me to do it? You know what I tell her? I say, you're the one cooking, do it how you want. Because she's going to do it how she wants anyhow. I don't but uh, anyhow, I think she wants me to just feel good that, that I had input. But, uh, you know, God is the one that orchestrates, and God is the one that's empowering. God is the one that we desperately need in our life. 
John the Baptist said it this way. We talked about John in Sunday school this morning. Uh, John the Baptist said it this way. He said, Christ must increase, and I must decrease. Sometimes in order for God to work in our life, we've got to get out of his way, and we've got to let God be God. And invite God to say, God, I want you to do something new and something fresh. I'm thankful that God's Spirit is moving in Asbury in Wilmore, Kentucky, itty-bitty Mayberry town of Kentucky. It is a beautiful town, and I'm thankful that I went to seminary there and uh, across the street. There's Asbury University on one side and Asbury Seminary on the other side uh, of the street, and I'm thankful for my time there. But my prayer is, and I hope your prayer will be by the end of this, God, you do a fresh work here in my life. And in Pearl, because can I tell you something? Our community needs Jesus. And I tell you that there are a lot of churches in Rankin County. Some of them are better than others. I happen to think ours is pretty good and one of the best. But there's not one of them anywhere in Rankin County this morning that does not have empty seats. There is not one church in this county that does not have people that are members of that particular church that said, well, I know they're having church today because it's Sunday, but I don't think I'm just going to skip it today. And I tell you that our nation, our community, our church, and each one of us need a fresh wind and a fresh fire from God. But here's what I know Scripture says. It says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. That's like Chronicles 7.14. I think the God that said it way back many, many eons ago is the same God that lives today. And I think his formula for a fresh wind and fresh revival is the same as it is today as it was back then. If my people will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. So I want to call our attention to Mark chapter 3 and we're going to read uh, several verses. We're not going to read the entire chapter, but we're going to read several of the verses. So join with me. Verse 1 says, He entered the synagogue again, and a man was there with a withered hand. And so he watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Step forward. And he said to them, Is it lawful for the Sabbath to do good or to do evil or to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. When the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. Verse 7 says, But Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea, and Jerusalem, and Udemia, and beyond the Jordan. 
And those from Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, when they heard how many things he was doing, came to him. So he told his disciples that a small boat should be kept ready for him because of the multitude, lest they should crush it. For he healed many, so that many had had afflictions pressed about him to touch him. And the unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out, saying, You are the Son of God. But he sternly warned them that they should not make him known. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those that he wanted, and they came to him. And then he appointed twelve. Uh, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power, over, uh, power to heal sickness and cast out demons. And then he goes on and he lists those 12 men. And then drop down in verse 20 with me. It says, The multitude came together again, so they could not so much as eat bread. But when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said he is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has a Beelzebub, and by the ruler of demons he casts out demons. And then drop down to verse 31 with me. It says, And his brother and his mother came, and standing outside they sent to him, calling him. And a multitude was sitting around him, and they said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. But he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brothers? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. What a marvelous and wonderful thing that uh, Mark records for us here in this third chapter of God working. And we see in this uh, a lot of people that could have had quite a story to tell by Jesus coming into their life and changing them that said, well, he's not doing it the right way. And so we're not going to let him do that. So I want us to find three different ways this morning as we look and think about this chapter. And the first thing that I want us to look at is the way of tradition. The way of tradition. Jesus, as was his custom. Another word for custom? Tradition. He went to synagogue. He went to church. And by the way, if Jesus found it necessary to go to church, you probably ought to too. Because if Jesus has needed it, you definitely need it, and I definitely need it. But that's another sermon for another day. So he, he was used to going, it, it wasn't even, he didn't have to even wonder, am I going to church? He went. And he was teaching, and those that were there watching him, and these were Pharisees, uh, people that thought they were religious, in fact, religious leaders, knew this man that was crippled. We don't know what his hand, what was wrong with it, uh, if it was crippled, if it was you know, not fully developed, whatever it may be, there was something wrong with his arm. His hand had been defective his entire life. And they knew that. And they knew it was the Sabbath. And they knew that it was forbidden to, to do any work on the Sabbath. Remember that there were ten commandments God gave on the mountain, but by the time of the first century, 
the priests and religious leaders had turned it into volumes and volumes and volumes of rules and regulations. Because we, in, and that's just the nature of man, we try to make things difficult and we like to be in control of things and we like things our way. And we get a little upset when things don't go our way. And so they were plotting, saying, look, and so Jesus says to this guy, come here. And he did, and he's standing before Jesus, and he asks, I don't think this man, I think he's asking these Pharisees that happen to be in the crowd, and Jesus knows their heart and knows what they're doing there. And he says, that is it lawful to do good or evil on the Sabbath day? To give life or to kill? And Mark says, they didn't say a word because they knew that God expected uh, them to do good always whenever they had opportunity and say well sorry it's the Sabbath can't do that today Lord but they had allowed the tradition of man to snuff out what God wanted to do it was, by the way, not just... We've seen it already in the first two chapters of Mark's Gospel. And we'll see it all the way to the end. So often the reason that Jesus was rejected is because he did not come the way they, the Jews thought he should. He was contrary. He didn't hang out with the right people. Remember from last Sunday in chapter 2, he's hanging out with tax collectors. He was hanging out with the IRS man. Is he crazy? And because of the people that he hung out with, they didn't like it. Because he was hanging out with the wrong crowd and the wrong kind of people. Well, God's kind of people are any people. Because all is sin and fall short of the glory of God, and that means that every single human being needs salvation. And John 3.16 tells us God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And I'm thankful I'm included in that whosoever, and I hope you're thankful you are as well, and I hope you know that today. But you see, so oftentimes, churches get in ruts, Christians get in ruts. We like the familiarity of the known. And if something's bad, at least if we know it, we know it. We know what to expect. But the God of the Bible, the God that, that, that I read about, is one that most of the time does not do what we expect. And he does not show up according to our customs. He does what he wants to do because he's God and he can the rub becomes, as it was in the Gospels here with the Pharisees, God was not doing it the way they thought he should do it. They were not against healing. They were not against people getting their life together. What they were against were people doing it in a way that didn't match up with the way they thought. And I tell you that tradition has killed a lot of works and a lot of churches across human history. 
Now there are certain things, and, and there's the gospel, God's word, it never changes. The message is always the same. But the methods that we deliver it have to change. Because people change and culture changes. Not that we let people and culture dictate what the Word of God says. But if we want to reach people, and Jesus wanted to reach people, and that's why he went where they were. He went to synagogue because there were a lot of people in synagogue that thought they were right with God that were right with tradition but did not have a relationship at all with God. And I tell you that the relationship you need is not with tradition. It's with the Savior because tradition can't save anyone but the Savior, Jesus Christ, can. And so these Pharisees and scribes allowed tradition to block out what God wanted to do and how God was working. And even today, many uh, those uh, of Jewish persuasion do not accept that Jesus was the Messiah simply because he came from the wrong family. And he didn't come with the white horse and he didn't come to bring military victory. That's what they were expecting. They were looking for a Messiah to restore the kingdom and the throne of David. But what Jesus came to do was to restore the kingdom of God. Because that was what's more important. And so, oftentimes, we let the way of tradition stop what God is doing. Another way that gets in the way is the way of troubler. boggles my mind, but it happens without fail that anytime God's doing it, there's always somebody that says that ain't of God. There's always somebody that wants to knock it off course. There's always somebody that utters these words again. I don't think we can do it that way. Or that, man, we've never done that before. Well, if you've never done it before, maybe we should try it. It might work. Might not work, but it might. We won't know unless we try it. And I've seen, and it's amazing to me, as we read through the Gospels, and then I think of church experience. And can I tell you that, you know what, when, when I've seen churches torn apart, and I have seen some torn apart, and it grieves my heart, and I can assure you it grieves God's heart. Can I tell you, it's never a politician that does it. And it's not even somebody that's lost in the community that's trying to cause trouble. You know who tears up the churches? People that say they're God's people. People that say they're following after God and they want God's work and, and God's will for their life. You know, when we skip to the end of the Gospel of Mark, let me give you a preview of what happens. There's people that one, Sunday, one Sabbath day worship Jesus, and they're crying out and waving palm branches, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, blessed be the man that comes in the name of the Lord. And five days later, those same people 
are crying out, crucify Jesus. There will always be those that won't allow God to work. And there will be always, and, and it, it bothers me, and it kills me, and it saddens me, I hope it saddens you. I know it saddens the heart of God. That there's wolves in sheep's clothing that Jesus warns us about. The people that claim to have a relationship with Jesus that are really working to tear what God is doing apart. And why the Apostle Paul tells us that, listen, you need to test the spirits. You need to you know, stand on the truth. You need to know the truth so that when false teachers rise up, you know it's false. And close your ears to it. Get away from it. Don't have anything to do with it. I hope I've never been a troubler. I hope you've never been a troubler. I hope my attitude will always be, and I hope your attitude will always be, and I hope our church's attitude will always be, God, we want to see you work in our midst, and we want to be your hands and feet, and we want to be a part of what you want to do. But sometimes in order for that to happen, we've got to get ourselves out of the way. And we've got to say, you know what? It doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't matter what I like. It doesn't matter my preferences. Because this isn't the church of Aaron. It's not the church of Carl. It's the church of John. This is the church of Jesus Christ. And Paul says that, hey, listen, because you're a part of the body of Christ, you're part of one another, you're, you are one. And so he says, hey, since you're one, act like it. And there's great power and great strength when we as God's people behave as one. And Satan, by the way, knows that, and so he knows if he can divide us, he can conquer us. But he can't destroy and conquer God. And so there's the way of tradition that stops God, and there's a way of troublers, but then lastly this morning, I want us to see and know there's a way of Jesus. Jesus was busy ministering, healing, doing all these things and had people saying, you can't do it that way, brother. And Jesus just kept on doing it the way he was doing. Didn't pay him a whole lot of attention. And so they get, he went home. And guess what? People followed him. So many people came and said he didn't even have time to eat dinner. They went home for dinner, and the people came, and so Jesus went, and he did what Jesus does. He healed, and he taught, and he made people whole. And his family got concerned about him, said, we've got to go get him. He's gone nuts. And then Mark mentions again, he says, listen, Mary and Jesus' brothers showed up outside this house. And the people said, hey, your mom's out there. And Jesus was not being disrespectful of Mary. He loved Mary. But he didn't get up and just rush out there and say, okay, mom, what you want? Mary and Jesus' brother thought he off his rocker. He needed rest. He wasn't taking care of himself. 
And so Jesus responded and said, listen, who is my mother? And who is my brother? Jesus was not asked because he didn't know who was outside looking for him. And he also knew what mama wanted. But he said, those that are sitting here, those that do my will, are my brothers and my sisters and my mother. Jesus would say, you know what? If you're doing what I've told you to do and you're trying to follow me, you're my family. And if you understand that you let me call the shots and hey, you just come along for the ride, but coming along for the ride with Jesus does not mean we just sit and do nothing. It means that he directs us and we obey. He did not say those of you that hang out with me are my family. Those of you that know my name, those of you that show up twice a year on Christmas and Easter are my family. He said, those of you that are here, these people that are sitting in my midst that do my will are my mother and my brother and my sister. So the way of Jesus is this, that doesn't matter what we're used to, it doesn't matter how we think it ought to be done. The only thing that matters is how Jesus tells us for it to be done. And he says, Jesus says, hey, listen, I want you to do it this way. We don't say, well, you know, we've always done it this other way. We've done it for 50 years this way. I probably better just keep doing it this, this way. Or Jesus may say, hey, listen, I want you to, oh, no, I can't do that. We don't do that here. Listen, if Jesus tells you to do it, and you know it's Jesus, now, that's the reason why, by the way, Paul said, test the spirits. Because not everything that you think is Jesus is Jesus. Just because it looks and acts and quacks like a duck doesn't mean it's a duck necessarily, especially in the spiritual realm of things. But when you, because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, and you just know that God's directing you, you do what God tells you to do. And leave the rest to him, and he'll take care of it. It'll work out. And so, you know, I've, I've saw these detractors on Facebook through the week, and I've even texted with some preachers that knew I went to Asbury, and uh, so they've texted me, you know, asked me. And I've not gotten all tangled up in that mess. My response has been that of Gamaliel in the book of Asher. Remember what he said about the Christians? He said, listen... Leave these Christians alone. If God is in this, there's nothing you can do to stop them. And if it's not, it's going to fizzle out and take care of itself. So quit worrying about it. I don't want to put God in a box. I want to pray and say, God, I don't care how you do it, just do it. And if it's not the way that I think you should, hey, I'm good with that. And if it's a way that we've never seen and never done before, hey, I'm okay with that. A couple of years ago, this gray virus came, and we had to shut the church down for a few weeks. and So we did something we've never done before. 
We had church on the internet. Well, I'm thankful we had that technology that we could still gather together virtually even though we couldn't in person for a little while. I'm thankful we still have that technology today where uh, people from all around the world uh, join our services. Uh, and I'm thankful for that. I think that's a good thing. They couldn't have done that 10 years ago. Probably wasn't possible you know, even five years ago. Uh, not many did it. But now everybody does it. And it's readily accessible and, and available. So I'm thankful that God is not limited to our ways. I'm thankful that God says, you know what, I'm going to overcome tradition and I'm going to overcome trouble by the way of Jesus. Friends, we need to be about the way of Jesus more than anything else because it is the only way we're going to be the people and the church that God created us to be. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your word to us. God, we thank you that you are a God that loves us. And Lord, we thank you for how you're working in our world. And God, sometimes, honestly, it seems like this world's going to hell in a handbasket. Things are bad. And there is a lot of evil in this world because the prince of this world knows his time is short. But Lord, we also are mindful that you are at work in this place. And Lord, we pray that a Holy Spirit revival, renewal fire will blanket our community, blanket our church. Blanket our nation, Lord. We need you. We know the only hope we have is not following our tradition. And it's not allowing troublemakers to keep us from doing what you've called us to do. But it's following the way of Jesus. Loving others. And pointing others to the Father. Lord, help us to be your hands and feet. Help us to not stand in your way. Help us to be instruments rather than hindrances to the work that you want to do in us and in this place and in our world. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. God spoke to your heart. Friend, if you're here,